0: Summer's just about over and school's starting back up. So let's talk a little bit about cooking at home, quick tips for meal prep, how to get the kids involved in the kitchen, and maybe just having some friends over, how we can make it easy and fun. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving.
1: In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in
0: your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Today, let's welcome Barry Gribben. Barry founded Home Run Entertainment in 2002. He saw the opportunity for a smaller boutique production company. And eager to produce for cable television and web portals, Barry got Home Run up and going. Among the highlights, Barry has produced over 600 episodes of food-based programs, which has led to a James Beard national nomination and 15 telly awards. So I welcomed Barry today so we could talk about how to make cooking a little bit simpler. And he's been around a lot of the pros, so he's gonna give us some pro tips today that we can use in our own kitchen. And I thought this was good timing for this episode because school's starting, meal prep can be a real headache after a busy day. So we're gonna try to simplify it, give you some shortcuts, and talk about ease of entertaining and how to make it fun. So here we go. Hi, Barry. Thank you for being here with me today.
1: Hi, Jill. It's great to be here.
0: Great. I'm glad you're here. So tell the audience just a little bit briefly about yourself.
1: Sure. I'm actually in the television business. I've been producing TV shows for, for quite a long time, but mostly we specialize in the food and travel space. And we've, I've gotten totally enamored with the food space and the people who are passionate about it. And so I thought it'd be great to to you and I could talk about uh, food and how it intersects at the home.
0: Yeah, no. And cooking is a passion of mine. I think I explained to you when we spoke, you know, I grew up in an Italian household, a lot of cooking took place. And when I'm cooking dinner here for my family and stuff, I'll put it on my stories. And I think it's one of my most popular stories is when I'm cooking some of these, you know, family dishes that I grew up with. And I love, you know, having people over and feeding people, whether it's my family or friends, it's just, there's something very connective about it. And it's also therapeutic for me. Oddly enough, I know people find the kitchen to be work, but for me, it's very therapeutic. So we're going to talk all about some of those things. So
1: Yeah, and in the TV world, it's pervasive. I mean, you, you know, almost you know every network and streamers got shows on about food because we're all just – we love food, right? It's the one art form we need to exist. It's the one thing we all do every day.
0: It's a universal language, right? Like you talk about the dinner table and how it's like this – it can really bring people together. You know, I even saw something – in like a little documentary about with like opposing views about things. And like, it was this apartment building where a bunch of people lived and they brought them all together at a table for these meals. And they learned that they really had more in common than they thought and all these other things. It's really interesting. So it is a very universal language and it's very connective for the family and for, for strangers, right? It's kind of interesting how that works.
1: Even when you travel, you're probably like me as soon as you you know, you're going somewhere You're like, where are you going to eat? What are you going to eat?
0: Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. My kids laugh because in my house, we wake up and especially when we go to visit my parents now in the morning, they're like, okay, what does everybody want for dinner? And we're all like, can we just, we're not, we're still in our pajamas.
1: <laughs> can oh, we
0: talk, you know?
1: Probably the Italian upbringing. I have the same thing. I'm not Italian. I'm German and Norwegian, but yeah, I, w- I wake up in the morning. I pretty much know what my three meals are before I get out of bed that day. Like really? I have a- of like what I'd like to eat or cook or go track down.
0: Right. Well, I think my mom does that too because she wants to make sure like, okay, well, if I need to go to the supermarket and get ingredients, I need to know now. And we're all kind of like, but we haven't even had breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so let's talk about first then cooking at home and its advantages. And I think, you know, COVID kind of shined a light on that for people because we were stuck at home and, and people who hadn't cooked before had to cook. And I think that there was a learning curve with that for sure. Might have been frustrating in the beginning. But I do think cooking at home has its advantages well before COVID. And then I think COVID just might have taught people like what it can do. So from your point of view, what are a few advantages you think cooking at home has?
1: The kitchen, people call it the heart of the home, right? But it's actually the most functional room in the house, right? I mean, it's, it's a tool shop for food you know, it has, it has all these tools and appliances and you're in there to construct something. Yeah. And it takes time and it's necessary because we need to eat. So that's, that's why it's the heart of the home, right? That's why people gather there. Right. And so if you can get in there with, you know, your your spouse, your partner, your kids, you could do things together that you're going to have to do anyways. Right. And once you start getting that connection to how food comes together, the ingredients. And it's just, you know, as simple as slicing onions or, you know, peeling carrots or, you know, it's just these basic skills. I think a lot of people, once they start doing it, they understand it's, you know, it's therapeutic, right?
0: It's very therapeutic. I find it very therapeutic. It's like any other hobby you do when you're doing it, when you're performing it, your brain is so focused just on that. So you don't think about really anything else. And It's also nice to like, you can have music in the background if you choose, but there's something very focal about it. Just like people who, you know, play golf or do other things like your brain just gets very focused. And also because I'm creative and I like to work with my hands. And I think there is something to working with your hands for everybody that's important, especially in this digital age, right? We're using our hands just for the mouse and for scrolling. (laughs) Well, guess what? When you use it to make something, there's a very different, I feel like something different happens in the brain. And it's something that, yeah. like, you can be proud of and have, like, a feeling of accomplishment
1: with. And it's, if you think of it, it's, it's crafty, right? It's like, yes. It's like people who knit, they use their hands with needles, now they Same. use their hands with knives. And that's – I always push people, like, use your money for the right things in the kitchen. Like, don't spend money for, like, diced onions and, and diced watermelon. Like, you can dice up a pineapple in about four minutes once you learn how to do it, right? Right, right. And it's like it becomes so enjoyable to do it that way, right? So yeah. it's – you know, that you use your time in the kitchen to like connect with your tools and your food. Yes. And, then, and don't be scared of it because it's, you know, so it doesn't taste perfect the first time or, you know, you learn yeah. from it. But it's, it's very hard to make something unedible.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with cooking that I find is I use all my senses when I'm cooking. And I think that you need to to have the meal come out right. So while you're cooking – you know, you use your sense of smell, you use your sight, like, does this look like the right consistency? You taste it, you listen, like, is the pan hot enough? Did that sizzle when it went in? So it's really interesting. And, and I find a good cook does that because I'm less of like an exact recipe person, you know, and it's more like, okay, we're throwing in this much of this, this much of that. And I go a lot by aroma and sensory. You're really using all your senses. I think advantages of it too, I mean, expense wise, it can be an advantage as well, as far as like comparing it to eating out. But I think that the sense of accomplishment with it, you know, is kind of a cool thing too. We also like, and we're going to get to it in a minute about entertaining, but sometimes when we're getting together with another couple, we haven't seen, we'd rather have them at the house so that we're not rushed or like, we don't have a time limit as far as being in a restaurant. And like, we could just hang out enough before and after the meal to visit. So there's that, again, it's that connective time around food.
1: Yeah, and it's a. some people think it was functionary, but it's like you're going to have to eat anyways. So if you have people over or other friends, it's it's a great use of time while you're doing it. And then you get to, at home, spread out all those little munchy appetizers that you want to start with.
0: Yeah, it's interactive. Like sometimes we'll have people over and I'll have the appetizers out on the island. And my cooktop happens to be in my island as well. So I'll be cooking something and they're like, oh my God, I love watching you do this. And like, it becomes this like activity for the guests too. It's kind of fun. And they're like, oh, how did you make that? Or I want to watch how you do that. And it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah. And when you challenge them to bring something now, they're bringing something that has importance to them or knowledge base to them. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're fascinated by that. Yeah. And then you get that connectivity back again.
0: So one thing you talk about a lot that I want to have you speak about is you call it being a chef at home and how you say you can incorporate tips from the pro professional world into your home kitchen. So I'd love to hear more about that and, you know, let the audience know about that too.
1: Yeah. Well, with the TV projects and the streaming projects and the online projects we've done, you know, we work with a lot of the chefs that people see on on shows and, you know, a lot of them are self-trained and these are not all cordon bleu, you know, certified, you know, folks, but It's all about, you know, how can you be efficient with your time and get the right ingredients, but then also make it, you know, part of what you're making. Mm -hmm. So that whole idea of the, you know, semi-homemade approach, you know, don't go ahead and get a roasted chicken because that saves you time, but then, you know, incorporate that into a recipe that you can cook. Mm -hmm.
0: But as far as like some techniques that the pros use that you can transfer into the home kitchen, what would you say?
1: As far as what the pros are doing, it's like sort of doing the basics not don't worry about getting the biggest fanciest equipment right Mm -hmm. we get bombarded all the time with the newest device and the newest fryer fryers and things it's like doesn't mean you're going to like the food any better right so it's all about figure out what flavors you want and those chefs kind of harken back to those flavors and so then it's like okay let's be smart about our time
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know so go ahead and get things are semi-prepared but then also figure out what what you can keep in your pantry all the time so you're not constantly shopping. Mm-hmm. And it's those, those nine basics you need. You know, the olive oil, two kinds of vinegar, onions, garlic. You know, keep those things in your house so every day you're not running out to the store. And those sort of things don't go bad on you. The pros like to keep their kitchen stocked with those sort of things so it's not a constant, you know, out to the store.
0: And as far as prep, when people are cooking on TV, they will have... The ingredients already prepared in what I call these little prep bowls—is that something you suggest as well? Like I do that with certain things that I'm making. So sometimes I might prep, like you said, like get my onion chopped, get my herbs, get whatever, and put them in the prep bowl so that once the pan turns on and it's hot, I can literally just kind of dump them in.
1: True. Yeah, we call that staging. We stage everything out. Yeah. And you're right because it's once you start the heat, it's time to cook, right? So you want to prep as much as you can. It's like almost like if he goes play the little league, you can make sure he's stretched and everything before you start playing the game. Because once yeah. you're going, you want to go.
0: Yeah. Certain recipes for me, I'm like, mm, I know this stuff's gotta be ready to go. Like I'm not gonna have a second. So I think depending on the recipe, that could be like a good tip that you see the pros do.
1: Right. And, and you know, you don't need twelve cutting boards to do that, right? Like no. Like not at do. all. you dice it, you put it in a bowl or something off to the side on a plate. Yep. You know and keep it separated because that's where your flavor combination like you talked about right you don't necessarily measure everything precisely yeah so you need you need your canvas of tools in front of you yeah and you know part of the sensory perception too is prepping all that in your hands gets a smell like you know the food you're cooking which is always gets you kind of excited when we're talking about yeah. this and so you want to you want to get that all laid out and then you know preheat your oven or figure out the next steps down the way
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we do on tv we we call it swap out. So we'd like, you know, put everything in the bowl, put it together and then put it on the stove. But of course we've already pre-cooked it an hour ago. That's what we call a swap. Right.
0: Out. Well, pre-cooked yeah, the- that's a little different. So that part you wouldn't do, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In real life at home, but yeah, yeah. I think was- certain things, you know, we can take from what we see professional chefs do. I think also with professional chefs, I don't know, maybe it comes down. Another thing maybe we could take into the home is meal planning, right? So planning out the meal ahead of time, knowing like you said that your pantry has the ingredients you need or you know enough ahead of time to get to the market to get what you need.
1: Right. And you know, you start to figure out like what the staples are with you mm-hmm. or with your kids, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to try, you know, a, a Mexican chicken stew thing maybe we've never had before, but I'm going to put it on a better rice and my kids love a better rice. Right. So, I'm, you know, I, I have that in my house, whether it's like pre-made rice bowls that you buy nowadays or you know, you've made the rice in advance because there's mm-hmm. like six, six other ways to make rice now, but you right. know, if you have those staples, you know, your kids are going to eat. Then you yes. start, you know, introducing the new things one at a time. Yep. And then especially if they're in the kitchen with you, right? And they see the ingredients you've laid out and you, they see them going into the pot. Just like we do on TV, right? When you watch it, you're like, oh, well, I like tomatoes. Oh, I like kalamata olives, you know? And so you see it going into the recipe. So you have faith that the recipe is going to taste good. Right that's kind of how they trick you. Right. Cause the ingredients look beautiful on their own on TV. And then you, when you put them together, they taste good. Right. And that's how you, your guests or your kids invested in doing it.
0: Yeah. I think you also brought up a good point in the beginning about the tools and just like the simpler is sometimes the better. So if you, you know, for example, like having a good, I mean, I'll let you speak to it, but like having a good set of knives and whatever, if you had like three or four basic things that you think people should have in their kitchen. For tools, is there anything that you
1: would suggest? It's fascinating. You always got to start with the knives. Yeah, and a
0: good set of knives, right?
1: And a good chance you have a, a knife block over in the corner of your kitchen. Right. With like 10 knives in it and you yeah. use two of them. Right. Right? <laughs> you should constantly keep going back to the two you so use. So true. Right? Yeah. You got you got your 9-inch blade or you got your 11-inch blade and they can pretty much cut up everything. Yeah. And so don't get caught up on like I need every knife or I need the biggest knife set.
0: Yep. Good point.
1: Because it's the ones you're going to use. Yep. And they're all going in that beautiful, you know, 11 or 13 inch Teflon pan. Yep. Right. You live your life in that Teflon pan, which has got to, got to have a good lid on it. So if you're, you know, after sauteing or steaming, you got that put together. And I personally can't live without a grease screen that I put over the pots and pans. Mm-hmm. I, I know some people get turned off because like, oh, my stove is a mess because I put a little oil and I'm frying and like everything's a mess. So I don't want to do that again. It's like, okay. I'm, I'm constantly like, let's just figure out how to keep the mess to a. A controllable mess along Yeah, that's the way. a good so, tip. Yeah. So, you know, when you get done, one of my friends, an Asian chef, Jet Tila, who I work with a lot, he comes from a restaurant background and he'll come over to my house and I'm like, okay, well, let's make Thai food or he likes to make sushi. Let's make sushi, which is not the easiest thing to do. He'll destroy my kitchen because he's a professional chef who's in a restaurant. He doesn't clean his own kitchens. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of, you know, you see people on TV, like it looks so easy. Well, that's because they have people cleaning their kitchen. So, I get a little fanatical about how to keep it going along the way. And then a, the mixing bowl, mm-hmm. you know, a good sturdy mixing bowl that can handle, <laughs> even if you're putting the beaters in there, or the immersion blender, you know, something that's can handle that and especially one that's got a lip on it. So you can pour out of it.
0: Yeah. So do you prefer like metal or glass or plastic for your mixing bowls? Do you have a preference in the material?
1: I go with the the heavier plastics Yeah. because if you get in there with, especially with beaters, Yes. You're not going to take in the metal taste off the side of it if it's if it's a metal pan.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: The other thing you need is multiple silicone spatulas. Yes. You have different sizes and different yeah. some some are for scooping, some are for wiping clean, and those plastic bowls. You get a silicone spatula in there, they're perfect. And the the beautiful is everything silicone and plastic now is it doesn't burn.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: it, people great. are like, oh, it's too close to the stove. It kind of doesn't burn anymore. No, it doesn't. (laughs) You know that's, and it doesn't get hot when you leave it a little too close to the stove, like the the metal handle wants to.
0: Yeah, you got to be careful of those. Yeah. So let's talk about. You refer to quote keeping the kitchen interesting. So let's talk about what you mean by that.
1: So keeping the kitchen interesting is trying to have enough variation that you're not bored with what you're cooking or eating, but you can't go too far afield, Mm. right? Because you know, especially if you have kids, you know they'll they'll try a lot of things their parents try, but that doesn't mean they're going to eat them, right? So, mm-hmm. it's, but as an adult, we we don't want to get bored, right? Right, that is true. And so, especially in you know, like magazines, TV, they were always constantly talking about the seasons, right? And mm-hmm. that's the beauty of seasons is you food changes throughout the season. Yeah, you know, and that's that's part of our culture that we has disappeared by the globalization of food. Yeah. You know, it seems like, especially here in California, we can get strawberries 12 months a year. Yeah. And so it's not like we don't celebrate it, but honestly, they taste different <laughs> around the year, right? If we're getting them from, you know, down the street versus from South America. Right. So you have that seasonality that can keep your kitchen interesting, but you got to kind of be aware of that. Like, oh, it's that time of year that we do these things. Right. Spring brings the green vegetables, it brings the asparagus and the. the and the broccolis and the, the fall brings the squashes. Right. So, you you know, there's things you like mm-hmm. and you don't want to go too far f- away from that or else you might, you know, get disappointed. But you got to keep bringing new things into your kitchen.
0: Right. Try something new. I also think if you have a home garden, which became very popular over the last couple of years, that really helps you stay seasonal. And depending on the area you live in, right, you're growing what's going to be native to that area that's going to grow at that season. And that's a cool way to bring the ingredients into the house, too. By what you might be growing in your backyard right
1: oh yeah and the great thing about the garden is i mean you can pretty much bring them in and do very little to them and eat them yeah they have such flavor to them
0: yes when we buy certain vegetables at the farmer's market that are in season versus what we've been buying at the supermarket over the you know course of that year the taste is so entirely different that it's astonishing like it's pretty drastic yes in flavor. And yeah. one of my neighbors used to grow a lot of cucumbers. And when she would get a bunch of them, and she'd she'd be like, Oh, I'm going to drop some at your drawer. I've got so many. And I mean, that cucumber from her backyard tasted so different than even the best cucumber I could buy at, you know, these high-end stores with supposedly high-end produce. It's just amazing the, the taste difference. And they even appear different. Like we also would buy these red onions from this farmer at a farmer's market. And I can't even tell you, they just looked so different. And the flavor was like insane. Yes. Yeah. So when you talk about keeping the kitchen interesting, you're talking about like your ingredients and your recipes and like not staying stagnant, you know? Is that, that's kind of what you're meaning, right?
1: Right. Because so many yeah. people will like go just out. in a nutshell. Go out yeah. and try like, you know, things at restaurants and then not think of doing that at home. Right. Like if you like it at a restaurant, try it at home. Yeah. Keep your kitchen interesting by like trying that thing and, you know there's, you know, we, there's videos that me and other people produce all over the internet. They'll show you in three minutes how to do that thing you like.
0: Yeah. It's like, if you like the flavor combination and the texture and all of that, it's like, Oh, try that at home. And we've done that before there. There's a couple recipes that are now like in our family repertoire that were recipes that either myself or my parents had at a restaurant. And we were like, Oh my God. And now it's like a staple in our sort of Recipe rotation, I'll call it, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, it does keep it interesting because you're like, oh, I never thought of putting that together like that. And I loved the taste of it. And now we can. And the other thing is, too, like I feel like keeping the kitchen interesting, too, is like not being afraid to adapt a recipe. So sometimes, like, I might see a recipe either printed or something on TV. And for the most part, it's what I like. But there's a couple ingredients that aren't really things that we like for taste or whatever. And you can substitute what you like, you know? And I mean, that kind of keeps it interesting too. It's a new recipe and then it has your take on it.
1: Yeah, one thing I did we were in a store and like three inch little tart pans, you know, sheet metal tart pans. Mm-hmm. There there's like a set for like a couple bucks. And I was yeah. like, like, let's buy this and do something with it. I didn't have to do with it, but we got it home and now it's like, okay, well, now it's a project, right? And let's do a little Googling and see what's out there. And you know, then my kids got excited, like, oh, we could take strawberries, Dad, and mix them with sugar and make a little puree out of it, and then you could buy some phyllo dough or we could make some and it's like it became, you know, a fun project to do and now it's something we like to make all the time.
0: I love that. That's a great example. Yeah. Great. All right. So the next one we're gonna talk about, which I've talked about before, and I think there's a lot to this, and it kind of goes back to the advantages of cooking at home on the first topic we mentioned. But when you involve kids, teens in the cooking process. I think it's huge in a ton of ways, a ton. <laughs> I could, so I'll let you speak to it first as far as involving kids and teens in the cooking process.
1: It, it's, I think it's just critical if you got kids in the house to get involved in the cooking process because then they're invested enough in at least trying it and eating it. Yes, and, big time. You know, I'm not saying we're going to turn kids into salad eaters because that's going to come a long ways down the road. Yeah, But when it comes to flavors and things, and especially if your kids are like, I only like a certain way. Once they do it themselves, they start understanding it's not scary. Right. When they're smaller, I mean, just the basics. I mean, it's, you can teach them math in the kitchen, right? We're talking half cups, quarter cups. You know, how does this add up? You can teach them a little science. You know, why does Mm -hmm. water boil? I mean, Mm -hmm. so this is the education side of being in the kitchen.
0: I think it's huge because math and science are involved entirely, but in such a fun way.
1: Yeah. When a kid understands that, You know, you take a solid piece of butter out of the fridge and three minutes later, it's a boiling liquid in a pan. Right. And like, how'd that happen? How'd that solid become a liquid, which is now becoming a gas? Right. And it's, you know, you can have that whole conversation then.
0: Yeah, and how whipped cream, if you whip it too much, it becomes butter, So <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it, measuring all of it. It's Yeah, I think it's really important. And they they do say, I believe there's studies too, kids who are involved in cooking their meals are more likely to eat those things. And even a step further is if you have a home garden and kids are involved in growing their own food, they're way more likely to eat that food.
1: Yes, and kids will- a larger volume of what they're involved making because yeah. they have an investment in.:
0: My accessory course is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on Course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right, I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens, it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it and I love styling for my photo shoots and most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot guess what the client wants to keep it all well I'm going to show you my secrets my tips my tricks it's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases... You're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price i hope to see you there
1: the other part of the home garden that's interesting and we touched a minute ago was about herbs and you can grow those in the garden and that's something that adults are scared of sometimes and so are kids like you know what tarragon or you know fennel or something like that it's like just try it it's you know, it's not, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to make the right. thing horrible. And then you right. might surprise you and you really like it.
0: Well, and- another thing about herbs too, you can grow them indoors really easily in your kitchen. Like through the winter, I grow them a lot. You keep them on the windowsill and I kill everything. So if I can grow them, anyone can. But I will give a tip. I use something called Aero Garden. It's oh. A-E-R-O garden. And Aero garden you get these little seed pods of the herbs of your choice. And they grow so robust and they're so good. You grow fresh basil. We grow – or we like oregano, basil, parsley, anything. You can grow any of them. And I will say like growing herbs in your kitchen is awesome to always have fresh herbs at hand to throw in your dishes. It makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and they sell those nice planters you can hang on the wall, you know, just anywhere. Yeah, else. In the those style, too. And yep. You can move those into your garage in the winter if you're in somewhere too cold. Yep. Yeah, and even if it looks like they're not sprouting much, they'll come back. Yep. Right? The herbs do not – go away. They're constantly trying to grow.
0: Yeah. And you can grow them inside, which is great. And then even there's even like deck vegetables you can grow now. So if you don't want to even put a big garden out, you can buy tomato plants that you keep. uh, Maybe they're called patio. I don't remember if they're patio, tomato, whatever, but it's, it's like a potted version of a tomato plant and other plants like that. So you can still go and pick out some few things if you don't want to have a whole full like home garden or you don't have the space for it or whatever.
1: What we do in my neighborhood too, because they can grow large, right? Especially rosemary and parsley and cilantro. I mean, they can be decorative hedges if you let them grow long enough. Yeah, sage can get really big. And so we divide it up. Mm -hmm. So my neighbor has rosemary, I have parsley, another neighbor has tarragon, Mm -hmm. and it's in our front yards. And we just go cut it off each other's plants.
0: That's such a smart thing to do. I love that.
1: Right, because it's like I'm taking care of two plants and not six, but I have access to six kinds of herbs.
0: Yeah. One of my neighbors used to grow the most amazing sage and she had huge. And so she's like, just go cut it anytime you want. And she taught me this awesome recipe. It's basically just a sage butter sauce. That is the Mm. most delicious thing I've ever had in the world. And it's so easy to make. So once she got me hooked on that, I'm like, you're going to see me sneaking in your backyard, cutting (gasps) sage all the time now. Cause now you got me hooked on that recipe, but yeah, it was delicious. And you put it over pasta. It was so good. I love that where each neighbor kind of has their herb and then you share it. I love that.
1: Yeah. A couple of days ago, I needed some mint and nobody had mint yet. I was like texting my friends. I'm like, who's got mint? And-
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need some mint. Yeah. I'm like,
1: it, it wasn't my job. Nobody told me I was supposed to grow the mint this season. Oh, that's funny. Yeah.
0: But that's a cool idea. And for people just moving to the suburbs, it's a great way to connect to your neighbors on your street and kind of share things. And I love that. So that's a really, really great tip. Let's chat next about, and I brought it up in the beginning a little bit about you know, entertaining and the dinner party at home. So it's not just cooking for your family at home, but having friends over too. Let's talk a little bit about what you think with the dinner party and anything there you want to chat about.
1: I think the important part is anybody can entertain.
0: Yeah.
1: Some people think like, Oh, that person throws the best dinner parties. Like anybody can do this. It's, it's not terrifying. Yes. You know, it, it holidays, we think about it, like Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, Easter you know, brunch. Right. And some people get terrified by that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, you just do what feels comfortable to you because it's really about people getting together. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that's entertaining when they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure you have something that can greet them. You want some appetizers and small things sitting out, you know, that is accessible to people. And it shouldn't be something that you've had to spend hours putting together. I mean, Let's put some simple things out and dips and olives and cheeses that are just there so we can get your people in and eating.
0: Yep. Yeah, the charcuterie board has, you know, made its big debut. So <laughs> that's, a you know, and that's an easy enough one long before this trend that it was just easy to throw together. And yeah, exactly. So it doesn't have to be complicated. That's the thing. I think you bring up a good point. It's kind of like what happens with interior design that I face with a lot of people is they feel like it's so intimidating and so hard and there's all these rules. And I really try to break down that wall and say, it really isn't just let all of that go. And it's the same, I think, with what you just brought up with entertaining, like have something out, do what is natural. Like, you know, naturally someone's going to want to come in, have a nibble, start their drink, start the talking and, you know, enjoy the evening. And like I said, we find a big benefit to it in the cases where we might want to spend more time with our friends. And sometimes at a restaurant, you're limited, right? They're rushing you in and out of the table. And you, know, you don't have that time to linger necessarily. So I feel like having the dinner party at home is really cool in terms of the lingering aspect. You could play a game, whatever.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you have a reason for it, right? Like a, the big game's on or something. So there is some, something that's going to take time, but you want to have people over. And you're welcome to be in the kitchen and people like to gather in the kitchen. Just make sure you're not that you've addressed enough of the work that you're not just working constantly while your guests are there.
0: Yeah. I try to do like a lot of prep ahead of time so that I can enjoy my guests and make a real point of that. Like you want to be a guest at your own dinner party.
1: Yeah. You're still checking things in the oven. You're still stirring stuff on the stovetop. You might be asking someone to you know cut salami or something for the charcuterie, but you just don't want to be, you know, I'll be in the kitchen. You want to make sure you have a good time and you entertain with yourself.
0: Yeah. And you'd be surprised at the amount of stuff you can do ahead of time that you don't think you can, but you can. Like you get the table set, right? You get the appetizer ready and in, in the fridge. So you just have to like put it out when they come. And I mean, there's all kinds of things. So, but also, do you enter-
1: wow, wow them with the appetizer, like yeah. with the snacks, like if you kind of wow that up a little bit. Yeah. People are like, because that's the first impression, right? Even true. when you go to a restaurant, quite often you judge a restaurant on their appetizers. Very true. So it's like if you can kind of like, wow, when they walk in, maybe you took time to make, you know, a crab dip or, a, you know, a, a spinach dip that's in a loaf of bread. Or So then once you get to the entree, A, they've had food, but also they're kind of ex- they're in this mood of like, oh, this is a good dinner party. The food is good.
0: Yeah, it's right? tasty. So,
1: right. So you even just kind of hit them hard off the beginning that it's going to be a tasty meal.
0: And And I always find shrimp cocktails such a winner. You put shrimp cocktail out, which is so easy, and people are like, they love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. Like the charcuterie we talked about, which is, you know, it's French for cheese board, but you can put anything on there, right? We're putting on nuts. We're putting on olives. We're putting on...
0: Fruit, yeah.
1: Yeah, crackers made with figs or whatever. And that's just walking around a store that is interesting, just buying things that look interesting. None of us are home making our own cheese. So, you know, that can be a wow without a ton of work. And you can get it out there. And then when people show up, they got something to look at. And then if you're, you know, the neighbors had you over and made beef Wellington last month, doesn't mean you have to make beef Wellington, right? Like exactly a nice roasted chicken, steaks on the grill. I mean, do what you're comfortable doing. Yeah. You know, it's not about the restaurant food is about being with you and you're sharing that connection with each other. And part of that connection is feeding each other, which feeds the soul.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like going back to that simple is better. And that happens with food too. I made, I had people over and I made a really simple tomato and basil sauce, really simple with cut up fresh tomatoes, some onion and garlic, whatever herbs and olive oil. And I tossed it over spaghetti. That was one of our side dishes. And it was like the most delicious thing in the world. Took me no time to make it super simple ingredients. So like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated, you know?
1: Yeah. Your friend, the crock pot comes, the slow cooker comes in handy too. Oh
0: yeah. Crock pot meals are so comforting and delicious.
1: And there's appetizers, you know, you can do a nice little cheesy dip or something in a crock pot or, you know, warm spinach dip. And it's like, oh, you've been cooking all day. Like, no, I've been melting things together for four hours.
0: Yeah. Those are super. (laughs) Yeah. Those are really good recipes too. So one other thing we want to talk about is it brings up that topic like semi-homemade a little bit, but convenient tricks to cooking at home, like sort of shortcuts, things to make your life easier, semi-homemade. I do semi-homemade a lot with desserts because I always call myself a cook. I'm not really a baker. So with desserts, sometimes I might buy like a really nice pound cake or a lemon cake, let's say, but then I might make my own whipped cream, put some fresh berries on it and throw a sprig of mint, you know, and it looks like this gorgeous dessert that I slaved on all day, but I've really just put it together with some nice ingredients and made like one of the things myself, whatever. And I do that with like, you know, I don't make my own dough. So I might buy like a frozen pastry dough and then make like my own fruit tart with it. But I think you you can do that with anything, really. I was just giving dessert examples because for me, that's where I take my shortcuts. But (laughs) Anything in that category, I'd love you to talk about because I know you brought that up when we spoke how, you know, there are these kind of short shortcuts you can take that make life a little easier, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's the shortcuts you can take that are very tasty and, you know, good use of time. Yeah. You know, the first one is the the famous roasted chicken. Yeah. You get, I mean, it, you got a whole chicken. It comes apart in pieces. You can do anything with that, right? So now you're using serving chicken on the the bone with some sort of sauce or rice like drumsticks and thighs or you're deboning it and now you're, you know, you're throwing together enchiladas. Maybe you're throwing together, you know, a Mexican salad. I mean, there's so much you can do with the chicken that just saves you time cooking it.
0: Tons. So, I do tons with rotisserie chickens. Yeah.
1: Right. So the recipe says, you know, cube up chicken breast and saute in a pan. Like mm-hmm. we just saved you those. You still have to cube it up, but you're not sauteing in the pan. Like we skip yeah. steps two and three on that recipe. Yep. So you're still making you still make the recipe. You just don't have to deal with that piece of it.
0: Yep, that's a good one because the rotisserie chicken goes a long way. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're cheating about desserts. I mean, the other one is you know store made pizza dough. You know. yeah, Pizza night's pretty easy when you bring home that pizza dough.
0: Yeah, and it's fun. Everybody can go and make their own what they like. I think a pizza night's a really good one. Like where you make your own. That's a super good tip.
1: Yeah. Trick there is make sure if you're doing the oven, you know, have a, a decent piece of stone or a, a bake sheet that's got holes in it you're know, like a yeah meant for grills because you just want to make sure you get the moisture out of the dough right because you want that yeah. to be a little crispier so
0: and by the way that's a fun idea for a dinner party for adults too you could do a make your own pizza night why not everyone would have so much fun with that and then you can make like a big salad or something on the side like easy and fun
1: oh yeah because you think about like you have someone over like let's order a pizza and all of a sudden it's a 20-minute conversation well i want pepperoni and i you know how about right it's like just make it at home and do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, but it, it can be like kind of a fun interactive party too. Where everyone gets their own dough and you just like make your own, throw them in the oven. I think that's kind of cool.
1: Right. And then your kids make cheese pizza and then they actually eat yours because it has interesting things on it that they right. weren't willing to try. <laughs> right.
0: You also think buy, you mentioned in the beginning that you don't really have to, but sometimes it can be a shortcut if you do buy your vegetables chopped up already or prepped for you. What do you think of that?
1: Well, our friend is the garlic, right? No one, don't buy fresh garlic. I mean, someone's saved you the time of dicing it or making the garlic paste. And that is one of those staples we should always have in the kitchen.
0: Sometimes I buy the container of peeled cloves. So it's like I have the clove. I can do what I want with it if I'm going to end up crushing it, chopping it, whatever. And they last quite a bit. So those are good because it just saves you from separating and peeling, which I know isn't a huge deal. But when you're like rushing like me sometimes at the end of the day... I'm trying to get dinner on the table for everybody. It's just whatever time I can save helps.
1: And garlic's like salt and pepper. You don't want to discourage people from using more of it. Right. The easier it is to use, the more you can get a hold of it. Yeah. I was just in the fruit world. I mean, the fruit is so easy to dice up. I know it's easy sometimes to grab. but Yeah. Definitely with, you know, if you're in a hurry, your vegetables, your onions, your celeries, your peppers. You right. Know, if that's available, you can do that. But also if it... People forget if you have a Cuisinart, you know, cut an onion in four pieces and drop it in the Cuisinart and you got diced onion.
0: Right. Well, I think you have to be careful, too, when you buy the chopped onion. I think two things with it. You have to use it pretty quickly. It kind of gets yucky, yes. I think. Yes, it does. Yeah. Just and it can have a really strong odor in your fridge. So yeah. unless you're going to, like, buy it and use it that night and it saves your step, great. But it can be a little stinky, and you got to use it pretty quickly. So that, that would be my caution on like getting the onion all chopped. And like you said, there's even these hand choppers where it's not even a Cuisinart, but like you just cut the onion in half and you literally just, it's like a plunger thing and it just chops it up in like two seconds or the mini Cuisinart, whatever. So there are easy ways to chop it up. I was just curious what you thought about buying that some of that stuff
1: prepped. but It's interesting. We did a YouTube series about uh, Thai food and We would prep, you know, the vegetables and everything in advance. And at one point I said, yeah, we should just do a quick video on like how to dice and chop onions. And maybe we should do a quick video on how to de-seed, you know, spicy peppers. Mm -hmm. And so we did just a quickie video on three ways to cut up an onion. And in like a year and a half, last time I looked, it was like 11 million views. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like everybody needs to know the basics, but once you know it, you know it. Yeah, exactly. It's not something that goes away. Yeah. The other thing, you know, we talked quickly about devices that are quick cheats, which is the the slow cooker and then the sheet pan, right? Because in COVID, everybody kind of learned about the sheet pan meal.
0: Oh, the sheet pan meal. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. That was big in our house for quite some time too. And I do like it. I love the sheet pan meal and I highly recommend it. I've even done it for dinner parties. It's great for a dinner party as well as just for your family.
1: Yeah, Because people are surprised like how long it takes sometimes to get roasted potatoes. Yes. But what's not in the sheet pan next to the, you know, the chicken and the other thing else, it's like it all takes the same time.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. Like we put up like the little baby potatoes, or whatever, and like you said, it just cooked in with everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And you also get the juices from whatever meat or whatever other vegetables you're cooking. What's cool about the sheet pan dinner too is you can really make it up to whatever it is you and your family or your guests like. So whatever the vegetables, whatever the herbs, whatever the meat, whatever the protein. You get to kind of decide and I sort of feel like it's like a pretty fail-proof thing. Like it's easy. I think for people – like I have a friend, she doesn't love to cook and she saw me making one once and she's like, I could totally do that. I'm like, you could totally do it. (laughs) Yes, you can. And she watched me. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to do that. Like, And it is. It's easy. It's simple. It's really tasty. I think it's a crowd pleaser for sure.
1: And the one thing I always have in my house – I joke with my friends. I always have caramelized onions. We're talking oh, about, onions, you know, is I'm like a house isn't worth a house unless you have caramelized onions. Like
0: who doesn't like those? It's like that and bacon. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> right.
1: And I mean, it takes, you know, a few minutes to dice up a couple of onions, get some olive oil warm in a pan. You throw it in there. And then, I mean, I can do it while I'm doing the dishes. Right. I mean, it takes 45 minutes, makes the house smell great. That's and so then- smart. And then you got it for, you know, I mean, I throw it in scrambled eggs. I throw it in sandwiches. I mean, like you got caramelized onions, which, you know, they become sweet at that point, right? They're not anymore. So they have a whole different flavor profile.
0: So I have a question. You cook those down and everything, and then you put them in a container in the fridge. And then two questions. One is how long do they last? And number two, do you just reheat them up like just in a saute pan? Or what's the best way to reheat once they've been caramelized?
1: They have enough emulsion from themselves and a little bit of the oil, so they, they, you know, it comes somewhat solid in the fridge, but yeah, you just throw them in the the pan for a few seconds or 22 seconds in the microwave if you're going to use them. And just get, right.
0: I was going to ask you, you could even microwave them, right? And just get the, just heat them up again. I love that idea. You could just make a batch and throw them in.
1: Oh yeah, and it makes your house smell great all day. Mm -hmm. And people think you've been slaving at the stove, and you haven't.
0: (laughs) Do they keep a while in the fridge? Uh, So long as everyone's not eating them up within two days, which probably
1: happens, but yeah um, I, we, we eat them before they're gone but it, i was gonna it, say they last weeks
0: they do but i was gonna say they probably get eaten up before they would expire yeah
1: and just just cook them with some olive oil and a little salt there's other recipes out there and i say that because on tv we yeah. quite often bad brown sugar don't tell people yeah because it caramelizes them quicker on tv yeah but they don't taste as good onions by themselves is all you need
0: do you do it with butter ever or it's usually just olive oil
1: I always do olive oil because I just want to go cook for a longer time. I mean, the, okay, the chefs say, you know, use olive oil and butter together if you want the butter taste.
0: Okay. But you but don't, don't use need butter it alone. Yeah. No. You don't need it for the flavor. Okay. Great tip. I love it. All right. So we have talked about a lot. I really appreciate, you know, all the tips and expertise you've brought to the table here today for everybody. We've covered, like I said, we've covered so much. If there's any last tips or advice, or any little tidbit you want to leave the listeners with, let me know and then let everybody know where to find you. So if you name the platforms that are best to reach you on, all of those will get linked in the show notes, Barry.
1: Great. I think we've hit on the big ones. Just get comfortable in the kitchen before you spend a lot of money and time on gadgets. You know, make sure you, you know what you like.
0: Yeah, that's a good takeaway.
1: If you like it at a restaurant, you can make it at home. You know, might take a little training, but it's nothing scary. There's no real way to fail.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: Baking is challenging, but when it comes to-
0: <laughs> Well, for, it depends. There are some people that are wonderful bakers and I we have them in our family. And yeah. it's just, for me, I think it's too exacting. I'm a little more, but my grandmother could bake and cook. I mean, she was like the best and so could my great grandmother. Yeah. But I don't know, I like cooking better. So I take my shortcuts in baking, but you got to kind of find your spot in the cooking arena, let's call it, of what you like. And there really is a spot for everybody. I believe that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to do there, but it's, you know, and the more you do, the more comfortable you get and just like anything else, take the next challenge.
0: Absolutely. So let us know any website or platforms to find you on. If you would list those and say those now, that'd be great. And then we'll put them in the show notes so people can find you.
1: That'd be great. You know, with our TV and video projects, we're always looking for people that are making interesting food products. That's one series we do. Mm -hmm. So anybody out, out there that's making food products, especially for resale and sale, we're trying to do stories about them. Great. And we're always looking for just interesting people in the food world because our we do a lot of content that profiles interesting people in the food world. Great. We're Home Run Entertainment is our company. It's So the website's Home Run ENT, like entertainment, Home Run ENT.com.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can leave his stuff on the contact page there. And you can always find me on Instagram. I'm Barry H. Gribben on Instagram.
0: Are you guys on Facebook too?
1: Uh, yeah, Home Run Entertainment on Facebook.
0: Great. And did you say you had a YouTube channel?
1: We do a series called Jet Fuel. One word, okay. Jet Fuel. It's with the Jet Tila, who's yep. a Thai chef. And so we, we explored Thai food and we did some American classics on great. there. Sure. So we got about 60 videos up there.
0: Good. All right. Um, we'll put that all in the show notes so that people can kind of explore those different things.
1: Yep. All right. That'd be great.
0: Good. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on and taking your time to discuss this topic, which is part of the suburban home. And it's a passion of mine, as you know, like I do with decorating. I like to make people feel like cooking doesn't have to be challenging either. There's so many people kind of afraid of it, don't even want to attempt it. And I really encourage you to just try one little small recipe and I think you'll be like blown away. So that's my little advice to wrap up. Thank you, Barry. I'm sure that we will connect soon. Awesome. All right. Take care and I'll talk to you soon. See you in the kitchen. (laughs) Okay. Bye. So I've done a few episodes here on cooking because if you have been following me for any amount of time, you know that cooking is one of my passions and hobbies. Growing up in an Italian family, cooking is a big thing. And I learned a lot of family recipes and I find it therapeutic. But I also find it more simple than people think. And I think a lot of people feel afraid of it or intimidated by it. And I like to try to break things down and make it simple and accessible for you, just like I do in home design. And I wanna do that with cooking as well. So I hope this episode gave you some tidbits, gave you some incentives to cook at home, involve the kids in the kitchen. Typically, studies have even found that the more kids are involved with their food, they're more likely to eat those healthy foods. That's why even gardening, we did an episode on gardening, and if kids grow their own food, they're more likely to eat it as well. So it can be simple, it's very connective, it can be fun, and I know we have really busy schedules and we feel like it just becomes a task or a chore, but there's shortcuts and ways to do it and it can be a very fulfilling and satisfying thing and very connective. So I hope that some of the points here helped you And as always, if you have any questions, I'm always here and love to hear your feedback. Also, any other topics you want to hear about, always reach out. From my home to yours, I will see you here soon. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to JillCalmanInteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. And most the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to Interiors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.